Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Team lead positions are often highly coveted by developers. However, a lot of developers get into these positions only to find that they include shocking changes to their jobs for which they haven't prepared. In this episode, we'll discuss some of the things that team leads have to deal with that might surprise you. But before we get started, Will, what has been surprising you this week? Uh, Surprising me this week? Well, uh, it's Thursday now, and uh, we normally record on Tuesdays, and we did this Tuesday. And so yesterday, I wrote this episode, (laughs) and I made a beer run. And that's basically it. Although, I did find the tailgate Imperial Peanut Butter Milk Stout and the Peanut Butter and Jelly and Oscar Blue's Death by Coconut. And they were all at red. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's just like, man, that's <laughs> it's like crazy. Hey, is still is Stone still working there? I'm not sure if I know who that is. I haven't like his hair is almost as long as mine, but grayer. Uh, I'd have to look. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he might have got just crazy haircut. busy. Yeah. Yeah. He was like the, the long haired hippie dude that ran the wine tastings. Super cool guy. Um, used to come in and like, I do the tasting and if no one else was around, I'd just stand around and talk to him because he was just a cool dude. Yeah. It's hard now to determine whether you're seeing people you know in places because of the stupid face masks. Mm -hmm. You don't realize like how much, like I'll pick up either the details of like somebody's lower face or like the back of their head. And that's how I like pick people out of a crowd. I've noticed Um, with, with the COVID thing, you know, that's half of my best way of doing that is not there now. So, yeah, who knows? <laughs> so, <laughs> how about you? So, I'm just wondering, like, most people, like, it's like the, the eyes, that's how they recognize people. Did you did you do the, the lower half of the face? Because, you know, that's what's usually exposed for most superheroes. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, their eyes are usually exposed, right? Yeah, but the, the area around their eyes is covered. Oh, like Zorro. Zorro, like Dread I'm just thinking, like Roberts. every mask is like from like nose up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, I don't know. I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. But hey, so since we're talking about leads, I got a little story for you guys. Uh, I got a text yesterday, uh, and like Will said, we're recording on Thursday. So uh, yesterday at lunch, I got a text from the tech team lead at church. And she had an emergency and couldn't be at church to do the stream service. We're we're not meeting in person on Wednesday nights. We just do a live stream. And so she had something come up, couldn't be there. This put me in the lead role with just a few hours to prepare. Now, I was scheduled to run one of the cameras. And so I'd been preparing uh, for that. But it's a different thought process as, you know, when you're lead, uh, you're basically, it's like directing a live concert video. So you got multiple cameras and you have to think like, all right, where, where do I place these cameras? Because you have to know where the song is going dynamically. So like I was telling Will, it's like, you got to know, all right, when is the song going to just drop out? And it gets to like this real intimate moment with the singer versus when it's going to be really loud and hard. And so like, you don't want to be on the drummer when the song just drops out and gets really quiet because they're not going to be doing anything. (laughs) So you got to, you got to know where to be well ahead of time. And you got to know like two or three steps in advance because you got one camera that is on what you want it to be on. You got to get the other camera where it needs to be. But in placing it there, you have to know, Hey, what am I going to do next with the camera that's currently live when the other one goes live? Am I going to keep it on that shot? Am I going to move it? Do I have time to move it while it's on, while the other camera's there? So like towards the right before, just a quick example, right before the music drops out, a lot of times the drums are just going really hard. Great shot. Really awesome shot to get the drums right at that moment. 
And usually there's like a, a build like right before it drops out. So it's like, bum, 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 yeah. and <laughs> Will's laughing at me for doing that. But it was the so dance like, that did it. That's what put it over uh, the top. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to get that on video because it's really cool. But you want to immediately switch over to a different shot right after that's done because the drummer is not going to be doing anything. They're going to stop and they're just going to be kind of just counting. And so you got to know these things. And it's a different line of thought when you're leading because you're guiding multiple people and you, you have to not only calculate how long it takes you to think of the next thing, but you have to calculate, all right, how long is it going to take this person to line up this shot and get it ready so that like, do I have them move? Do I not? And it's, it, there's a lot going on during that. And it just like, I took the rest of the afternoon cause I had the day off work to, uh, to focus on going through the set and just listening to all the songs, writing everything down, taking notes. Cause you know, I don't like to go in there unprepared. Now I had plans to rearrange my office because I think I told you guys, Amanda is has a full-time teaching position now. She used to do some online teaching as one of her multiple jobs she had there for a while. And so I set her up a space in my office to do that if like she was over and like we we're having dinner or something. She's like, oh, I got to teach a class. So she had a space to do it here. Didn't have to worry about like carrying stuff back and forth between her place and mine if she wanted to come over. And so I had that set up. She hasn't used it since she started teaching full time. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to reclaim that office space. <laughs> so I cleaned everything out with the intent of pushing my desk back and doing all this other stuff. Got it cleaned out, went to lunch and haven't done anything since because I spent the rest of the afternoon preparing for that. Yeah, I noticed the uh, server chassis right behind you. This yeah, yeah, I, I moved that around a little bit. I'm probably going to get rid of it, to be honest with you. Yeah, because that's an old one and it's pretty heavy. Pretty heavy? Yeah, it's very heavy. Yeah. So, uh, guys, uh, we have quite a few of y'all on Patreon now listening to the Aftercast. Just a reminder, for $5 a month, you can get an extra 30 to 45 minutes each week of conversation and banter. We also discuss any points that uh, get pulled for from the episode because of time or various things. We tell stories that, uh, you know, we, we don't always share on the podcast and stuff. And then for $20 a month, you can join us on the Aftercast and be part of it and contribute to the, the whole process. We also want to just thank everyone on Patreon who is helping us financially to make this podcast possible. Speaking of finances, you guys can take your finances to the next level. Yeah. Lucas Casades is a fee-only certified financial planner and financial coach who serves tech professionals with his company, Level Up Financial Planning. And he does this virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Level Up Financial Planning, just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, believes in the importance of having a real plan and taking action on that plan so that you can live your best life. Yeah, a lot of times people think that they're too young or they don't have enough investments to actually work with a financial planner. But Lucas has actually got a unique model. He allows you to pay monthly and without requiring investment management. So you don't have to wait to feel confident about your financial decisions. You know, best of all, Lucas and Level Up are a fiduciary for his clients. And what this means is it requires him to act in his client's best interest. He's not a salesman, and you only pay as long as you're getting value. When you're no longer getting value, you stop paying. Yeah, and speaking of getting value, he actually has some resources for free at levelupfinancialplanning.com. So go check those out if you're interested, because uh, that's a good starting point for getting your finances in order. Being a team lead is a natural step from many mid-level and senior positions. It's also a bit of a culture shock if you haven't done it before. In a lot of organizations, you may get promoted to a position and expect to deliver without anyone giving you a clue about what is expected. 
worse still, you're going to have to learn quickly or you could very easily lose your job. And if you have a sense of pride in your ability to write code and think it's extremely important, you might find yourself a little bit surprised at some of the other things that are expected of team leads and how they're considered more important than the code that you write. Not only do you have to be far more careful to be professional and fair to your coworkers, but you may find yourself in a position to lead them in various ways, including mentoring. In fact, you probably will. You'll also probably find that a lot of activities that you don't particularly enjoy are considered extremely important for your job now. Finally, you may also have bad habits that you need to correct in order to be an effective team lead. Until this point in your career, most steps have consisted of doing more or more difficult work than what you did in the previous position. While this happens in a team lead position, these positions do tend to add a lot of responsibilities that have little to do with actual coding. If you plan to eventually move higher up into management, a position as a team lead is a great introduction to the skills that you'll need for that higher position. However, make no mistake, a team lead position is the first step in a career change away from software development, and you need to be serious in how you approach it. So yeah, my my first managerial foray, I was a software developer, but because of the nature of the business that I was in, I was writing software to help massage therapists schedule appointments. This was about 2004, I think. Yeah, 2004. And and so I'm, I'm coding, right? And then they're like, well, you kind of need to be the manager of these people who are working in a career field that you know nothing about. And, and so like I was having to get my team to teach me stuff just so that I wasn't completely clueless when they were using big words or small words for that matter. <laughs> you know, in some cases they would say stuff and I'm like, I don't know that word. <laughs> what is that? And it was, it's culture shock, especially when you're switching from code to that, right? Because I mean, like managing programmers is enough of a jump by itself because you're, you're now dealing with people instead of processors. But when you switch from the kind of people who write code to the kind of people who do massage, and you're trying to switch from that, that headspace back to writing code quickly, I couldn't do it. That was just not workable for me. And so it is, it's a really, really jarring thing. And I think a lot of developers don't realize that this is the first step on a career change if you want it to be. That's very true. So with, with my first foray into management, it wasn't so much, well, it was long before I ever got into development. And what happened is I had gotten promoted like I, I had been frontline six, eight months. I got promoted to not really a management position, but it was sort of like in the company hierarchy, it was like at the same level, same pay grade, kind of so to speak, as the mid-level managers. And but it was more technical um in that field. And then the company got bought out. Me being the low man on the totem, they're like, hey, we we don't need anybody else in this position, but we do need someone to be a mid-level manager. We're just going to laterally move you over here. Well, I had no management training whatsoever. They didn't give me any. And everything I did was a mistake because they expected me to know what to do. Yeah. And I'm like, like I, I remember when I finally quit, I was like, you know, you guys made me these promises because I was in school at the time and was like, then you get you fuss at me because I go to class when you told me that was okay when I got hired. And now like I'm getting like I'm getting no support. I don't know what I'm doing because this is not what I was hired on to do. Yeah, those kind of situations are especially bad to get promoted in because I've been in a few of those as well, where it's like you're on Darth Vader's Star Destroyer. <laughs> And yes, you know, you're going to get promoted quickly, but you're eventually going to get choked. <laughs> you know? And it's just, it's, it's a bad feeling to be in. So don't be like us. Go into this kind of thing with some foreknowledge. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about some of those things that you need to know going in. And the first one is that your interpersonal relationships are going to change. You know, you're probably interacting with your coworkers as equals, hopefully. 
um, if you are at the same level and you know if you're not their manager, you don't really need to be talking down to them. If you're their manager, you don't need to be talking down to them either. But you know, you you have an interaction methodology that indicates that you're on a similar level and so you're is, is, you <laughs> just know. watching you dig this hole yeah it's i'm trying funny. to think of a good way to put that because it's like you should be treating them as equals and most normal people do that but there's always that one dude that doesn't of course that dude also doesn't get promoted to management unless management is similarly dysfunctional the thing about it is once you get promoted there is a tinge of management in anything that you say whether you want it there or not. And this can make people kind of be a little bit colder towards you. And it can make people really cautious around you because, you know, you're now the other party, regardless of what you were before. Uh, Well, all of your friends shouldn't be work friends. Right. Because when you do get promoted or you leave or something, it, it affects those relationships. Now, I have seen people, like people I work with, like coworkers become really close friends to the point of being in each other's weddings and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that doesn't need to be your entire friend base. So like when you do kind of have to distance yourself a little bit as you're, especially early on when you're establishing the, the managerial role and you're kind of, I guess it's, it's a, it's tricky to think about because you're, you're not ending a friendship to become a manager. It's just there is a time frame there, especially at the beginning where it's like, all right, you're you're figuring it out. It's like, you know, all right, outside of work, we can be buddy buddy. But at work, we got to be kind of more serious than we were before. Right. And I mean, you also have to be really careful with that to avoid things like favoritism uh, mm-hmm. because it's corrosive to the team. You know, you may be best friends with somebody on the team, but you can't appear that way. Yeah. And, you know, your friends may not understand that, particularly if they're not very socially adept. They won't understand that and they'll get mad. Uh, and if you're still coding, you still have to pull your weight uh, or your team is very likely to talk about it behind your back. And this probably means longer hours or a lot more discipline. Most likely both. I know I've had managers who set aside specific time in their schedules for development just yeah. so that they had time to keep up with stuff. Well, and the way a lot of companies work, if you're if you're at all diligent about getting your work done, you're probably still productive. Um even with managerial responsibilities just cuz so much time gets wasted during the day. But you do have to go, okay, I have less time available to waste. So you might have you know, not been very effective for two or three hours a day. And that's probably completely normal. And once you get into a managerial role, that may go down to an hour or two a day or less. And so you're going to have to use your time well, and you're going to have to be smart about how you do things. The next thing you have to think about is communication with your team is going to change. I mean, this is more than just the interpersonal relationships. You are effectively the leadership of the team. You know, the whole term team lead and all that should have clued you in, right? (laughs) Yeah. Suggestions that you may have made casually or even jokingly before can and probably will be taken seriously. Now, you know, this has a lot of potential to backfire if you don't watch what you say. Yeah. And the other thing that happens is team members start coming to you for help now because you're, your leader. And, you know, they might've done that before and that might've been why you got promoted so you could do more of it, but they're going to feel especially abandoned if you can't help them right now. And so you're going to have to think about what it looks like to have good boundaries with your coworkers and still get your work done and, and where that line is for you. And you, you really need to decide on that before you're in this situation. Yeah. I know I have, have a few people who come to me on occasion for help with things or because they're working on something that I wrote in the past and I've tried to make it pretty clear, Hey, here's the hours that I'm available for that. But what started happening to me, I was on two or three different uh, smaller projects 
And I kept getting pulled into meeting after meeting after meeting because, like Will, apparently I am good at translating tech to things that are entertaining and non-tech people understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this podcast has done that to both of us because I yeah. I have been in meetings before where people have been like, oh, well, Will can explain it. And they just put me on the spot. And I'm like, I, I just learned about this 30 seconds ago when you talked about it. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I, I know well, what you mean. What happened, what happened to me is I kept getting pulled into meetings that were not like meetings between the a BA and a customer and like, it's like, you don't need a developer there. That's, you know, and they were like, Oh, well, Hey, we'll bring BJ in. He can explain this. And it's like, all right, well, he did such a good job. Let's just have him regularly in this meeting. And it got to be where I didn't have any time to develop. Yeah. And I reached out to my boss and I'm like, Hey, you know, I don't mind helping out every now and then, but this is getting a bit excessive. And so, um, he talked, to people and got some of that removed. And then I put in specific development time where I'm just like, all right, these hours are blocked off for development. I will, unless it's an emergency, I will decline a meeting during these times. If you try to reach out to me, I'm not available, but I will get back to you. It's like, as soon as that time is up, I'll be, Hey, what's up, man? What's going on? What do you need? How can I help? That kind of stuff. Yeah. that The communication thing is, really critical honestly you you've got to be able to keep communication lines open while being productive Uh, because you know what what you are now is you're the nexus of communication between your team and the people higher up so you got to make sure that your team doesn't feel the need to start routing around you to get stuff done but at the same time you still have to get stuff done and guys gals you gotta check your ego at the door you can be right about absolutely everything and be a terrible team lead if you communicate poorly. You know, if you're sure you are right about everything, not only are you wrong about that, especially because... And most things, probably. Yeah, but you won't find out you're wrong until it hurts. Like, you haven't opened up that communication for people to say, hey, I'm not, like, you know, to question you or anything like that. Yeah, I have uh, a friend of mine who we were co-workers on a few projects and then he got promoted to team lead. And he, he like it, it did change some communication a little bit because it was like, all right, you know, we can't sit and talk about these things, like speculate on stuff because like he knows, but he can't say for various reasons and stuff. But he was really cool about, look, I, I can't talk about that right now. But what was really good, I thought he did a great job with this, is he's like, if I'm wrong, tell me. And yeah. trust me, I did. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I'm not exactly sure that he, you needed the prompt, but okay. That's, uh, he told the whole team that. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> that, that makes sense. <laughs> so speaking of telling the whole team things, um, expectations of your work are also another thing that you have to be aware of. Uh, you'll probably still be expected to be as productive as you were previously. Um, and this often occurs while you're still being expected to you know, mentor and lead a team and attend a bunch of meetings. Um, this does not reduce the amount of crap that lands on your plate. Your team will also have the expectation that you will protect them to some degree from the rest of the organization and that you won't mislead them. And you. If you're in a good organization, you share that responsibility with your manager. Right. It goes like, all the way uh, up. The, the other thing with that, that stuff is the, you know, the expectations going in both directions is a big thing that I think a lot of people don't think about. You know, like managers are typically either a crap funnel or a crap umbrella, you know, yours included. As a team lead, you're often expected to be both. Your manager expects you to be a crap funnel and your team expects you to be a crap umbrella. In other words, you keep it from landing on your team. That's what they expect. Your manager expects to be able to dump it on your team. And you somehow have to negotiate the balance of those two things. You need to be more careful about both your code quality and the way you review the code of others because you're expected to avoid stupid mistakes. Um, you know, same as a senior dev, but 
you now have time and attention constraints that are going to make you more likely to make those stupid mistakes. Yeah, I would I would argue that those time and attention constraints when they're first imposed um, and you're getting used to them, it's like daylight savings time. Like you're you're missing some IQ points there for a minute just because you're you're distracted and yeah, you'll make unbelievable stupid mistakes and your team will be like, "Really? They promoted this guy?" <laughs> and then you'll hopefully eventually recover. <laughs> what I've seen in healthy organizations is person gets promoted to lead and nothing changes right um other than they start going to the lead meetings yeah and that's what my team lead he got promoted to they get one meeting added they start going to those and then maybe a month or so after that they get another responsibility added by the end of a year they're doing the full job of a team lead but it's it's a transition because it is like they're they're still expected to pull the same weight I say either that or they get pulled off of their working projects. Yeah, slowly, usually. Um, You always want to uh, light someone on fire slowly (laughs) instead of doing it all at once. (laughs) That's kind of, yeah, because I've been in the other kind of organizations where they just, oh, you're a team lead and you're doing all these meetings effective immediately. And I know you're right in the middle of these four projects because we also prioritize poorly and everything's top priority. And here you go. That is not a healthy org when you uh, are there and you're going to probably make it a lot more unhealthy before you get canned. Um, <laughs> so the next thing you have to, to be aware of is that culture is now your problem. It really was all along, but it becomes much more obvious when you're a team lead. Your team looks to you for an example and for guidance. This means that a lot of things that were acceptable before you were a lead, you can't do anymore. Yeah. um, You have to be a lot more tactful and political with the way that you handle things. You know, if you've gotten into the habit of bashing other team members or other teams, you have a big problem and you probably need to stop before it blows up in your face because it will now, almost certainly. Also need to watch how you present your work ethic looking lazy or regularly overworking, like either extreme, uh, can now impact your coworkers as they're going to emulate your behavior. They're looking to you for what to do. So if you're just sitting around doing nothing, they're going to sit around to do nothing. If you're working 80 hours a week, they're going to feel that that's what's required of them. Yeah, especially if they want to move up. Yeah. Um, and... It, this is really a hard thing for the type A uh, personalities who are trying to get somewhere uh, to to comprehend. It's like, no, your your behavior now is dragging the rest of the team towards whatever you're doing, and you're hurting people potentially if you do this wrong. And you're not really helping yourself because what you're doing is you're destroying your team's productivity for short term gains, and so it'll backfire on you anyway. Um. The other thing is that your interpersonal mistakes are more likely to get you in hot water with management because, you know, honestly, it's a lot easier to cause turnover and potentially lawsuits if you are not careful about what you do. You can create a hostile work environment uh, as a manager a lot easier than you can as a regular employee. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have seen this happen um, both in development and out of development where, you know, Coworker gets angry and snaps at someone. They're like, all right, you know, whatever. They, you know, they're having a bad day, something like that. Same person gets promoted to a lead position and they do the exact same, exact same behavior. And it's an incident. Yeah, it's an incident. Or that person goes, I'm not appreciated here. Management's always this way. Like they, there gets to be a lot of analytical overlay when you, when you do that from a managerial position and yeah, people will bail. Yeah. It's just like there, there's kind of a pervasive theme throughout this episode and we're, we're about halfway through the, the outline. So I'm just going to go ahead and point this out. Like what you do is now looked at and yeah. the way you behave, like your, your reactions, your responses, your behaviors are no longer just about you. 
Right. They're influencing other people. Now, speaking of influencing other people or the lack thereof, you're also not real management for the most part. You probably don't have the ability to fire people as a team lead, and you almost certainly don't have the ability to decide to hire them either. Yeah. Nevertheless, you're going to get blamed for either situation because your team members still see you as part of management rather than part of the team. Yeah, I really like it. I've seen a few places where they involve the team leads in the hiring process. And like it's a multi-step process. So like you have like the initial HR stuff and like qualifying round basically. And then you have your first round of in-person interviews and that's the team leads and they do they they actually do have a bit of say there. Like they're the ones who determine all right here's who gets moved on to the next round or not. And I think that's kind of cool because they're like, all right, yeah, they know the culture of the team. They know that kind of stuff. They also know what better, what skills they're looking for, for their team than even management will. Yeah. And if they've, you know, if you've got multiple teams in an organization, you know, particularly if you're working on the same product and they're all, you know, several of them are looking for new people. This also allows them to go, hey, this person would be really good on my team or this person would be good on somebody else's team, not mine. And so they'll get into that role a lot of times. But yeah, you you get blamed for stuff that it's like, dude, I didn't make this decision. It's a dumb decision that was made by somebody higher up. And by the way, you can't say that. No, no. <laughs> I have also seen where I've, I've sat in on these conversations uh, where I just happen to be the one of the developers who was on the the interview committee and they interviewed someone who had been who was just a great fit but they were an API developer and were looking for a UI developer and the UI lead said yeah uh but so and so kind of wants to switch over to my team from the API team so if we let them switch then we can hire this person on for the API team <laughs> yeah I've literally sat in on that and I'm like, all right, that's cool. And the person ended up being hired and worked for a little while there, did a great job. So it was kind of cool. Management will blame you for your team, whatever they do, but you don't have any authority to, to actually make change on the team. Yeah. And speaking of making change, your pay scale probably also reflects all these things. Mm-hmm. Hey, like that little transition there, buddy. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was yeah. good. Making change because you broke. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, the next thing you have to be aware of is that what leads actually do is rather different from what you think they do. While leads are generally expected to code, there are a lot of non-coding responsibilities on your plate. You'll be expected to act as a go-between between your team and management in both directions. You know, I, I like to think of a good business analyst is someone who can speak both the tech and the business, and they can translate between the, the team and the customer. A good team lead is someone who speaks the tech and management and they can translate between the two. Yeah, transparently too. Like where there's no screw ups or lag time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you'll, you'll also be expected to assume at least some responsibility for the productivity of your team. Now, you don't have full control, but you're, you're going to get blamed for some things, especially if your behavior caused that I've been on the receiving end of that one, you know, where I was kind of relaxed between the, you know, about one thirty and three o'clock in the afternoon when I'm a complete dullard anyway. And we had team members that interpreted that as, Oh, I can be lazy. And, you know, it's like, look, I'm, I'm working from, you know, like four to seven and I'm working, you know, in the mornings really hard before that dude gets in and he decides he can be lazy because, he, you know, he saw me kind of taking a break during my downbeat, essentially. And, and so you really have to be careful about that. You also are expected to mentor other developers and help get them unstuck because now the whole team's 
uh, productivity is kind of your thing and you're supposed to facilitate that. And you'll note that that very quickly becomes at odds with actually getting productive work done at a senior developer level. Yeah. You'll probably also have some reporting responsibilities either to your manager or their manager or a group of managers, random customers. Like, yeah, you get pulled into all kinds of stuff and they're like, well, you're a manager, so you're part of the club. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny. I remember a couple of years ago, we had to do re- uh, like weekly reports, like status updates of what we'd done that week. In addition to like your regular scrum stuff, but this was like through the development hierarchy, not through the business hierarchy. And so I was sending in these like detailed, what I did this week, what's on my plate for next week, anything that's impeding me, stuff like that. Things to like, and I was breaking it down by project and like all this stuff to my team lead. And she was like, Hey, can you send it in in this format like this other developer does? Because it's easier for me. I'm like, yeah, but they're sending you so much less information. All right, yeah, <laughs> I can, I can be, I can like, you know, put it in that format and and send it to you. You like, it's not going to tell you the information you need to know. That lasted for about maybe a month, and then it was like. Hey, I need everybody to go to the way that BJ was sending in his information because upper management has asked me to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and those reporting responsibilities, you know, it, it's it's hard to get that down right. Like people underestimate just how much time that actually takes. So speaking of things taking time, uh, your schedule is going to change as part of uh, transitioning to a team lead position. You probably had long periods of focus before, hopefully. And you might still get them now, but they're going to be a lot more rare because you're going to be transitioning to more of a manager's schedule instead of a maker's schedule. You'll probably also find that your ability to schedule things over the long term is more difficult because you'll get pulled into more meetings with less warning uh, than you had as a developer. That must be nice to have warning before getting pulled into meetings. Yeah, it must be. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I wrote that from the optimistic, like this is the way it should work. Um, The thing is, is the higher up you go, like the more random stuff they feel like they can pull you in into with less notice because they figure you're probably not doing low level, really hard dev stuff as much. And you probably should be kind of transitioning out of that and training up your team. So that, you know, that's kind of normal, but it takes a minute to let that stuff go as a former senior developer. And it's, it's hard because it's, you know, it's the thing you have the most pride in and, and the most comfort with. Expectations around work-life balance may change as well. Like you may face expectations of longer work days and more availability during your time off. So, you know, there... They're going to want to eat into your personal time. And if you're not careful, it can. You have to have like very, very strict rules about that. Amanda likes to pick on me about this because I'm very strict about my time. Yeah. You know, if you um, don't, if you're not strict about it, it just goes to other people. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's just, she's like, you know, it's 430. You're, you're not working. I'm like, Yep, I end my day at 4:30. I walk I I close it down and I walk away because yep. if I don't like especially when I first started o'clock. working from yeah, when I first started working from home, that was a thing. I I would sit and work all night long because hey, I I've, I've got it right there. I'm like I especially if I was excited about something. Yeah. And I I've had to do that because I wore myself out. Yeah, I'll still occasionally overwork um, if I'm learning something yeah. by doing it. Like it's giving me value outside of work. But otherwise, I'm like, yeah, I'm not giving you free hours. Because I, for one thing, I don't think those are respected. And the other thing is, is the, the quality of the work falls very precipitously for the value of the time that I'm losing. Yeah. So I'm just not up for that. Yeah, and the emails after work are definitely a thing. Um, and the occasional emergency is also a thing. You know, you're expected to be responsible and be there. And mm-hmm. 
you're going to have to figure out what that boundary looks like for you and you better set them early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next thing is that responsibilities change and you have to learn how to delegate what you used to do. While you probably still are coding, uh, if you want to move up, that means that you need to train your people to the point where they can replace you so that you can move forward. If you are not replaceable, and I've said this so many times to people, if you're not replaceable, you cannot move. Right. You can't go on vacation. You can't leave. You can't move forward. Because there's this kind of old school mentality of like become irreplaceable. Right. By, like creating your own little fiefdom of knowledge where you're the only one who can do this thing. If you're the only one who can do this thing, you're the only one who will ever do that thing. Right. Because when you're gone, because it's cheaper you. just to trap you there. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a mindset that is a very fragile mindset versus an anti fragile mindset. And we ought to eventually do an episode on those kind of principles. But yeah, you're going to have a lot of responsibilities added to your plate anyway. And this means that the rest of the team is going to have to do some of the work that you used to do no matter what, because you're a finite being within time. And that's yeah. it. Delegation alone won't work, unfortunately. You're going to have to learn to both delegate and set reasonable expectations. Like You have to be willing to see that those expectations are met. Because if I delegate to Will the audio editing of the podcast and I don't say, hey, this is, this is the quality I'm expecting, Will's just going to throw it out there because he knows nothing about audio editing. That's not true. I'm going to delegate it to somebody with a nose ring. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, they probably have a better sense of what it's supposed to do than I do. You know, and that's, I don't know that that's necessarily a very good heuristic, but yeah, that's exactly what would happen. Yeah, you learn that really quick that management is not telling people what to do and then just expecting that it gets done. It's a whole lot of, here's what I expect. It's a whole lot of going, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect, perfect, right? Like we've got to get something done and then I can help grow you into the position where you do it up to snuff, but it's probably, there's going to be a little bump downward in quality when you delegate. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Like, I like what my my director does. He will tell you, like, here's what I want from you. Like, here's what I want you to do when he's delegating. Here's what I expect out of it. Right. Like, it's it's just it's part of that process. Also, make sure that your methods of communication are on par when you delegate your work. You you don't want to have to scramble to find out where things are when your manager asks you. Yeah, because that's the other fun thing is when you delegate something and you go, okay, I delegated it. I don't have to worry about it. Your manager is not going to be okay with that. You're, you're going to have to actually be able to deliver and get a reasonable result and be able to report on it. So, the penultimate thing that you need to know your network at work changes. Network at work, I like that. Uh, instead of your network being mostly developers and the the adjacent positions like QA, DBAs, those sorts of things, when you become a team lead, you need to be actively building your network outside of the IT department. Right, because you're going to have to interact with those people because you're probably not delivering to IT. You're probably delivering to those other sectors of the business and or customers. You're also kind of on a different playing field in regards to office politics. You may have to even worry about your own team members and you're going to be jockeying for position with other teams while trying to protect your team and protect yourself from your team in some cases. Yeah. Um, because you will occasionally get that dude that is a social climber and just wants to tear you down so he can take your position and that's a thing. And you're going to have to be aware of that. Now, they're not that common because those people tend to get kind of weeded out pretty quick anyway, but you can't pretend like there's not going to be somebody there like that. And the jockeying with other teams can be as simple as, hey, we've got to have budget for this thing because otherwise we can't do our job. Um, and it may be as complex as 
going, no, you're not going to blame my team for that because you guys screwed up and you didn't send us the specs until yesterday and it's due today. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, you're going to have to stand up and kind of fight a little bit on occasion. And that's part of it. I've seen, I've seen some of that. Oh, I've done some, some of the, that. <laughs> some of the biggest like fights I've seen so far as that's concerned are between the, the, the business analyst world who are gathering requirements and specs and the developer leads who are like assigning, assigning projects and giving estimations. And it's like, Hey, we need you to give us an estimation on this. On what? Yeah. All this project. Like, all right, what, what do you want done? We got to build artificial general intelligence. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, we're giving four developers in a week. Get typing. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's just like there's no requirements here it just says you know build the thing and it's like uh yeah it's like look dude if you're if you're pulling your requirements from the opening of the large bowel do not be surprised when i pull my estimates from the same place yeah and i've actually said that during a meeting <laughs> that does not surprise me one iota yeah, you should have seen dude's eyebrows, man. They tried to migrate over the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so speaking of saying stuff like that in a meeting, being able to work well with other team members is even more important now because failure is more expensive when you're the lead. Yeah. And you've got to network with other departments and this means probably eating meals with them and or socializing with people in that department because now you need to kind of start building out your intelligence network, especially if you plan on moving up, you need to have allies in other departments other than just your own. You don't ever want to be in that situation where you're the IT dude and the rest of the company sees you as a cost center and a problem because you don't get along with them. Um, I've got a friend who works at a company and talks about their IT their IT chick in this particular case and just how hostile she is towards people from other departments that she doesn't understand and how poorly she's networked. And I got to tell you, she probably has a whole lot more problems in her job than are absolutely necessary given the difficulty of what she's doing and it's personality based. And so you don't ever want to be in that position. Mm -hmm. So the last thing we're going to talk about is what you don't do also changes. So you shouldn't be making jokes about the quality of someone else's work. Jokes about firing people, those sorts of things. Uh, Once you have even the smallest level of authority or power, these jokes can be taken as threats. Yeah, and a sensible person will take them as a threat because you have the ability to ruin their life. And, you know, that person's liable to bail. Just because they would rather control the timing of their exit. Um, mm-hmm. I've left jobs because of this. Um, not necessarily you know, jokes about the quality of, of work, but just attitudes that were very, very negative. And you know, I probably jumped sooner than I should, but I've got a mortgage. I've got a kid. I can't, I can't wait around to find out whether I'm right or not. You know what, guys? I'm not even a team lead, and I've stopped doing this because it's just bad for the team in general. Yeah. And I don't even talk bad about previous coworkers. A couple of reasons. One, well, at one point in time, I did have the husband of a previous coworker working with me. So you, you got to watch what you say in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> like even when you're talking about code quality and when the person herself had said, hey, this is like the situation I was under and we're using it for something that it's not meant to be used for. Like you got to watch what you say so that it doesn't get taken like as an attack on them. But yeah, like you, you don't want to make those kind of jokes. Like I just as a senior developer, I've stopped saying those sorts of things. One, because I do eventually want to move up into a lead position and, you know, dress for the job you want and they won't let me dress up as Batman. So you don't have a sore throat anyway, so you're, yeah, you're out. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I look more like Aquaman, so whatever. But the just keep telling me. yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna. Man, 
So like we're trying to be all right, positive. All right. So here. realistically, I look more like Thor at the uh, you know, at the beginning of uh the last Avengers movie. I'll allow it. <laughs> I mean, you can you can tell yourself what you got to tell yourself. But yeah, the the jokes and stuff will will get you in trouble. Now, I I will say this, I'm I make fun of my own code a lot. Oh, yeah. Um did that right before we got on this call actually. I won't trash talk the like the quality of the person's work, but if it's something that's like and I was actually in a call not long ago where it was just like me and a project manager uh, doing some estimations. And I was like, and he, he like, he's like, I know you were friends with the developer who originally wrote this and you, you don't want to be to say anything bad about the person's coding and stuff like that. But I need to know what's wrong with it. And I was like, all right, here's, here's the problems that we have with the current system that we're, like I'm building the replacement for. So that's like what this was about. I was like, here's what exists. Here's the problems with it. Here's what we're doing to like what we plan on for fixing it. But it's like, it's gotten to the point where people know I won't talk bad about someone else. Yeah. To the, that they, they're saying, Hey, it's not going to be offensive if you just tell me what, what we need to do to fix it. Yeah. I'll occasionally bend that rule a little bit. Like if, um, like like at the previous gig I had, there was a guy that was there for about two weeks and he removed all the exception handling code in the app because he his premise was that you should check for things that would cause an exception before an exception occurs. So let's just strip all that out. Yeah, real men of genius here. He did that and he also alienated the entire team, uh, went to the CEO of the company who owns like 60-something percent of the company and told him, he needed to fire three people, one of whom was a partner who owned 20%, one of whom was a partner who owned 15%, and the other one was the main owner's son. Um, I felt pretty much okay saying that this guy doesn't need to be coding anything uh, because <laughs> his code was about as good as his social skills. And I've interacted with him a couple of times personally uh, as well. And I got to tell you, I've never had such a negative religious experience with anybody. Um, and that's saying something because I've dealt with some real uh, jerks. So I'll say that for the most part, though, I do follow this rule. There's there's occasions, though, where it's like, eh, I'm going to bend it because, you know, yeah. heck with this guy. But you, you really have to be very careful. And you, you got to be careful about the gossiping just in general. Um, if that's a thing you do, because it does set a bad example, like you don't want your team backbiting and gossiping against each other and the other thing is is you might gossip about somebody in another department some member of your team goes oh you know Susie over in payroll is da 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 and they happen to say it and they don't know who Susie is and she's standing right behind them and she yeah. knows where they heard it and that can mm -hmm. fall on your your group because you know hey she may go to the CFO and go you know I think we could save some money by cutting some of these developers and outsourcing it and I've seen those dynamics happen and it can land on your team in a bad way. So you've got to cut that crap out. Yeah. Also, you cannot be seen visibly slacking off um, or at least not often. You, you may not always be busy, especially if you have gaps between meetings, but you need to look busy to avoid resentment. I mean, there's, and it kind of depends. Like this is more of a thing when you're all in the office together in today's remote world, or even if you were remote uh, before, you know, when we were going into the office one day a week, it was uh, it, two things. One, you know, there were times like right after we got, or right before we went to lunch, where people would stand around and talk or waiting on someone to finish up their a meeting or something. That's an appropriate time to be kind of slacking off because yeah. you, you know, You're team building. That's, yeah, that's team building. And, or like when we would, we would do team development things. And so, like, while you're waiting on everybody to get out of their meetings and come in, that's an appropriate time just to be hanging out and getting to know people. I will say this we had a very high up, like CEO equivalent type person come through. And the one thing they noticed about 
our department was when they came through on the day we were in the office and like they're coming around shaking hands, meeting people and stuff. Our team was like just focused. Like we, we paused to be polite and then went right back to work. And like that came from the top down. So all levels of management heard it down to the team leads. <laughs> yeah. And they probably went in there and like, man, you guys are great actors. <laughs> Here's a yeah. soccer trophy that I found in the dumpster. <laughs> so yeah. finally, you can't afford to tolerate certain personality types. For instance, perpetual complainers and you know smart guys uh, because they quickly become backstabbing toxic monsters and they'll damage your team morale. Yeah, the smart guys especially. And you know, I put that in quotes because it's it's the guy that's slightly above average that gets a pat on the head and is insecure about his intelligence and so he has to like show off. That dude, you just better watch because I've I've almost never seen one in a work environment that didn't backstab somebody. Yeah. So guys, a uh, transition to a team lead position is a huge step. Not only is it a better position in a lot of respects, but it's often the first step towards moving into a bigger, more real management position later in your career, if you want that. However, by its nature, it's also the first step towards completely changing your career. Uh, As such, there are some things that you will almost certainly find as surprising and frustrating in that position. However, if you are prepared, you're more likely to be able to handle these surprises and frustrating things when they come about. Yeah, and speaking of being prepared, uh, we want to give a a thank you and a shout out to Lucas from Level Up Financial Planning for sponsoring this week's episodes. Through his sponsorship, Lucas is helping us achieve our podcasting goals, just like he'll help you achieve your financial goals. So check him out. Beach, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? So guys, uh, we've been talking about team leads. I just want to say like different roles on teams require different thinking. In this episode, you know, we talked about moving into a lead role and how that you'll have to change the way that you think and do things. The concept applies to other areas of your team as well. Like various members have different goals and functions. So what a BA thinks is important may not even be on the radar for a quality assurance or database administrator. Learning about the other roles on your team can help you to understand what motivates them and what they think of as important. Now, that same concept applies outside of the workplace. I was telling Will before we got started, uh, my mom and I went for a walk today and she was asking me, she's like, so did you finish moving around your office? And I was like, no. And she's like, I knew you wouldn't. I'm like, well, this, I told her what happened with the tech team lead not being able to make it. And she was like, what do you mean you had to prepare for that? What you just show up and you do your job. And I'm like, yeah, mom, can you tell me when the entire band drops out in nothing but the blood? And she's like, what? I'm like in the song, nothing but the blood. When does the entire band drop out? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, all right, well, if you've got a camera on the drummer, you're going to need to know when that's going to happen so that you don't like just sit there and have a drummer sitting there looking at you like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, they do know what they're doing, but it's just like that that look of I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm a I'm drummer like, who's uh, not drumming. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> yeah, it's like, and, and that's the thing. My mom, not being a tech person, did not understand that. Of course, I say that about my mom. She also recently helped my uncle set up his internet so I'm like she's telling me about it and I'm like wow I'm, I'm actually kind of impressed by that but like her priorities are different yeah like you know for her having a clean kitchen is a much higher priority than having an effective office space because she doesn't work from home she was a nurse she never like you didn't even take work home with you because you did everything there yeah it's kind of you got to get the whole biohazard container yeah it's <laughs> Yeah, actually, she might have one of those, but (laughs) different people have various goals, not only in their work life, but also in their personal lives. Understanding these motivations will help you to understand 
the people around you and by helping them reach their goals that's going to encourage them to help you reach yours and that's pretty much all i've got if you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.